Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. The fact that he was going to build his church, what is that church supposed to look like? Now, I don't mean what is that church facility or building. Get that mindset out of your mind right now. That's not at all what he's talking about. When he says, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to build a structure, a meeting house, a cathedral, a temple, or anything like that. So don't think of that in your mind when you hear that question. Also, don't think of even a church service or what we're doing right now as being a reflection of what Jesus meant. When he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He wasn't talking about, upon this rock, I will build a gathering where people come together on the first day of the week in worship. That's not really what he had in mind when Jesus said he was going to build his church. He's talking about a kingdom. He's talking about a community. He's talking about Christianity. He's talking about all of us all the time in every place. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. What is that church supposed to look like? This is a question that we need to have in our mind all the time. Are we being the church collectively and individually that Jesus had in mind when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church? We have to ask the question, do we look like it? Do we look like what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church? Because when I look in scripture, the church that I see in the Bible is it's a group of believers who come together, united kind of as a family. And you're, there's a ton of family terminology that's used to describe the church, right? Brothers, sisters, um, spiritual fathers in the faith. Then he talks about treating people like mothers and so on. It comes together as a united family intent on serving one another and being like Jesus. That's the church I believe that Jesus intended to build. It's a, it's, it's a group of believers and all over the place that come together united as that family on that one purpose. That purpose is we're going to love God, we're going to love others. And we desire to be, of course, like Jesus in doing that. That's the church that I see in Scripture. But I think sometimes we get it backwards. The church is supposed to start with Jesus. Everything that we do needs to begin with Jesus, and we work our way forward from that. I have this fear that we have this tendency to say, our goal as a church is to be like the early church. Be careful with that, because the early church had flaws too, okay? We got to be careful with that, because our goal is not to be like the early church. Our goal and the goal of the early church, if you would ask any of them, what's your goal? It would be to be like Jesus. That's need to, that needs to be our purpose as a church. We're not seeking to go, all right, let's be like the Corinthians. Let's be like the Ephesians. No, us here in Visalia and the Corinthians and the Ephesians all need to focus on trying to be like Jesus. Hence the title we use here in this place. We call ourselves a church of Christ. We will be a church of Christ when we follow the example that Jesus left for us. Not when we try to follow maybe how certain individuals were following Jesus. We need to follow how what the example Jesus set for us. With that in mind then, I want to present this one idea today. Churches 
and individuals will find meaning and purpose, hence our theme this year, will find meaning and purpose when they follow Jesus. You'll find a church, you'll find churches sometimes that really aren't following Jesus. Churches that aren't following Jesus are floundering in life trying to find why they're here. And sometimes we, even as a church here, will get off track. We'll make our purpose into kind of a self-serving kind of thing. Well, our purpose is to provide programs and activities for our members. No, that's not our purpose as a church. Our purpose as a church isn't to be some kind of country club in which you pay dues into and then have some kind of needs met, whether it be, well, I want an encouraging message, I want to be challenged just a little bit, and I want programs and classes for my kids. You know, or, well, the church, I want this or that. No, that's not going to give us meaning and purpose as a church, and we will die. I mean, that's how it works. But we will have meaning and purpose as a church and as individuals if we follow Jesus. Now, let me prove that to you this morning from Philippians chapter 2. Remember, we are going through the book of Philippians and we're taking our, our Bible camp lessons that we're going to be looking at this next or this next month and going to kind of break it down. But the book of Philippians is about finding purpose. Last week, we looked at how Paul's purpose was to get that message to the Philippians to put their needs first and not his own. And now as we go into chapter 2 today, I think you're going to see what Jesus' purpose was and how we can find meaning and direction in life when we follow the example that he set. So let's look at it together. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. If you're new here, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in Philippi a few decades after Jesus um, died on the cross. He's encouraging them to greater levels of faithfulness. So chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation in, of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, these are all things that we're supposed to have, right? We're supposed to have love, we're supposed to have compassion, we're supposed to have the fellowship of the Spirit, we're supposed to have kind affection to one another. If all those things are true, which we would all preach, that's what we have, right? He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is in prison when he writes this. And he writes this to these Philippian Christians. says, look, I need you guys in Philippi to make sure that you bring me joy. But the way you're going to bring me joy, he's not talking about, oh yeah, make me happy. No, he's talking about you know, finding satisfaction in the work and peace while he's there in prison. He says, here's what I want from you. You can make my joy complete if you get along. Think about that, what he says here. You'll make my joy complete if you're on the same page. You'll make my joy complete if you're united. And look what he tells them to unite upon. He doesn't lay out a list of, uh, of like guidelines or some kind of checklist. He says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you need to focus on on being united and having the same mind. Every church, in every place, every Christian, in every place, needs to be on the same page with this right here. All of us. And this is universal. Church in America, church in Africa, church in Europe, wherever, needs to be on the same page with this. Every Christian, recently baptized or 100 years old, needs to be on the same page with this. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count 
others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look out for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is how religions are going to be united. This is how, you know, unity will be maintained in the church. This is how we can tear down all sorts of dividers. This is how we can fulfill our purpose if we did this right here. The problem is this is probably the biggest sin that we struggle with. Because we're selfish people at times, right? We focus on what we want. We want to be our best self. We want to do you. We want to make us happy. And he says that's not what it is about. And you can imagine the Philippians are hearing this. and They're going, okay, Paul, that's kind of a lofty goal. You want us to all get along and all treat each other right? How can we do this? What does that look like? How can we all have this same mind? Well, what Paul is going to show then is that this mind that he's asking them to have is the very mind of Jesus. What did I say the purpose of the church was? The purpose of the church is a group of people trying to be like Jesus. He's telling the Philippian church to stop focusing on self and to focus on being like Jesus. Verse 2, have the same mind. And then look at verse 5. What does he say? He says, have this mind or attitude, depending on your translation, in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. The way the church is going to find purpose and meaning is when we stop thinking about whatever we want, our preferences, our desires, what makes us happy, not just in the assembly either. Get, get that out of your mind. It's all the time. When we stop thinking about what we want and start thinking, you know, what would Jesus want me to do in this situation here? How would Jesus want me to handle this occasion? How would Jesus approach this situation? How would Jesus, you know, spend his time? When we start thinking that way, then life's have meaning, our life has meaning and purpose. But the mind of Jesus is even deeper than that. It's not just we'll have a moral mind or have a good mind or have a, a pleasant mind. Look what he says, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. And then he gives us an example of the type of attitude he's thinking about. Right here, and we've, this is probably one of the passages I have preached through the most. It happens we're going through Philippians right now. But I think this is one of the most powerful, impactful scriptures you will find in the New Testament. He says, have this attitude that was also in Christ Jesus, verse 5. Then verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or cling to. He goes, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus existed in eternity. Where was Jesus before he came to earth? We're going to talk about that tonight in our small groups. But, um, you know, where was Jesus? He wasn't here, right? He's where God dwells. And there he was existing, and really the, the terminology and the, the verbiage there is kind of a, a present active, like was currently existing kind of terminology. Although Jesus was existing, so I'd say eternally, in the form of God, I think it's that word tupos or type, he is God, right? He's existing there as God in eternity. Just picture that for you. Jesus, before he came to this earth, before he came born of Mary, he was already around existing in eternity as God. Huge, right? I mean, they're just wrapping our minds around that. But he did not regard that equality with God a thing to be grasped or, or held on to. I love that imagery because you picture, you know, a lot of times we, we say things, I don't want to let go. I'm not willing to give it up. We do that with sins, don't we? I'm just not willing to give this up. 
We do that with possessions. I'm not going to let this go. We do this with habits and times and addictions. I'm not going to let this go. But Jesus didn't just grasp onto his equality with God and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing anything. What did he do? Verse 7. But he emptied himself. Your Bible probably has maybe a footnote trying to explain that word because it's a, a loaded term. It means to lay down, to lay aside, or to cast off your privileges. It's like a, a king or, you know, denouncing his royal power and saying, no, I'm not going to take that. Jesus existed in eternity in the heavens as God, but laid all that aside. It's like he took off some of that, left it there. And what did he do? He took on the form of a slave, a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. The eternal God laid aside, and I don't, I don't comprehend God. I, I can't comprehend how God works or, or his power or his mind or, or what, it, what it would be like to be God. I can't even come close to that. But the fact that Jesus let that go to become what? Like me. To become like me. He left all that behind and came, not even just like me, he became a bondservant in the likeness of men. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man. What did he do? He didn't go around telling everybody, bow down. No, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient. So he came in the form of a servant. He was humble. He was obedient. And what happened? They killed him. Verse 8, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The eternal God came to the lowest human form and died. I mean, I have a hard time giving up like my seat on an airplane, okay? Or, or giving up some kind of my place in line or giving up my turn or, or something like that. Jesus left all his heavenly privileges to come to earth Not even as a king necessarily. I know he's king of kings and lord of lords. You know what I'm saying. He came to earth in a lowly form. A baby? Born to a a poor family in Galilee? Where they didn't even have a cradle for him that they laid him in a feeding trough? And then the rest of his life was about serving others? That's the mind of Jesus. That's the example that he set for us. That's the example for the church of Christ, to be like him. To lay aside all privileges, all perceived rights. I mean, we go through the Bible. Isn't there a lot of times where Paul says all things are lawful, we give those up for others? It's the idea of it's not about me, it's about other people. Now, with that, with what Jesus did, he was exalted by a sacrifice. Although he humbly became obedient to death, we read in verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. Because Paul wants us to make sure, don't think, though, that death stopped him. It wasn't the end for Jesus. Jesus was ultimately exalted. Even though he wasn't in this life, he was exalted. And God bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow those that are on, in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was exalted by his sacrifice, and because of his humility, because of what he did, all will bow before him one day. Judgment day is going to come, 
and all will have to bow down before Jesus. Some maybe willingly, some not. But Jesus was exalted by his humble sacrifice. But why does Paul bring all this up right here? Because this is the mindset we need to have. Not the, who hurry up and exalt me mindset, God. No, it's the one right here where Jesus came to earth. And I put the lyrics up there of a song that we sometimes sing before communion, right? Why did my Savior come to earth? Why did he humble go? Why did he go to the cross? And the end of it says what? Because he loved me so, right? That's why Jesus did what he did. Because he loves us. Because he put us first. He gave up, up, up heaven. Sometimes I got to give up an hour on a Sunday. I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus gave up divine privileges. Sometimes I got to give up what I want during the week to help somebody else. Jesus gave up um, heaven to come to earth in, form, uh, in the form of a human and, and die for me. And yet God says, hey, give money to others. I, our sacrifice pales to what Jesus did for us. And the mindset that Paul told the Philippians to have, the mindset that he said was in him, the mindset that they're supposed to have united on is the mind of Jesus who had this attitude. So what's the lesson for us then? The lesson for us is that as we look at the church of the Bible, the, the, the church that we're trying to be like what it was is groups of people intent on trying to be like that Jesus. Think about how sacrificial they were. All the things the apostle Paul went through for the cause of Jesus. All the things, you know, Peter went through for the cause of Christ. Timothy went through. Titus went through. John went through. These early Christian followers went out there and preached this message and, and it permeated their life. Every bit of their life was about living for Jesus. And most of them died for it. But they did it because they were devoted to being like Jesus. It wasn't about, their life wasn't theirs. It wasn't about finding, you know, physical accomplishments or earthly accomplishments or having more possessions, having more power, being comfortable, having ease, taking a nice vacation. It wasn't all about that. It was about living for others. Why? Because they were trying to be like Jesus. Because the Jesus we read about in Scripture did everything for you, did everything for me. And he left a pattern for us so that we would do everything for others so that they could get to know Jesus who did everything for him or for them. There's people out there that don't know Jesus. There's people out there that haven't been saved. There's people out there that don't have the hope that we have. We have a short time on this earth, to be devoted to helping them see Jesus so that they can experience his love and then reciprocally they can go out there and show love toward others too. That's the mindset that would bring Paul joy. That's the mindset that we need to have, a mindset that says it's not about me, it's about service to others. I know we keep repeating this idea, but more and more when I think about our theme for purpose, this will give our life meaning and purpose. Your job won't relationships won't, earthly accomplishments won't, money won't, even good works per se won't. But being like Jesus in every aspect of our life will give life direction, meaning, and purpose. The reason I believe that is because I see it laid out for me here. The prayer that Paul had for the Philippian church was that they would have the same mind what mind? The mind that says, do nothing from selfishness. The mind that says, was in Jesus, chapter 2, verse 5. The lesson is yours this morning. If you are not following Jesus, we want to help you follow him. He came to this earth and died for you. He came to this earth and laid aside all his divine privileges 
for you. You want to have a theological discussion? What happened to him? Did he get him back? All of that. There's a big discussion of that one. But he gave up a lot for you so that you could live for him. He made it possible that us and all of our sins could have that taken away if we just come to him and his sacrifice, trust in him, what he did on the cross. Yesterday, I had the privilege of baptizing Claire for the remission of her sins. She believed that Jesus was Lord. She wanted to make that commitment to him. You can do that too. We all can. And if you've made that commitment, rekindle that commitment in yourself. Say, you know what? I'm going to live like that born-again believer that I know I'm supposed to be, one who lives for Jesus and not for self. There's an invitation song that was selected. I'll be up here for a verse or so. Talk to me afterwards if you need to as well. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.